we pray this message blesses and encourages you. Good morning. Uh, great to be with you this morning and uh, great to see so many of you out. And uh, as you've heard for the, from the last two Sundays, uh, the theme of this year uh, for us as a church and as a people is the command to be strong and courageous, uh, taken from the verses in Joshua 1. Who was here last week? Brilliant. Great. Well, if you missed last week's sermon, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was a great word, a great message, and uh, a great encouragement as we prepare ourselves for this year. And as I was thinking about that great passage in Scripture from Joshua 1 and the great command that God gave Joshua, it made me think of some of the many great speeches that have shaped world history. Speeches that have shaped world history. Speeches that inspired men and women to remember who they were, where they came from, and what they needed to stand for. In the face of great fear, opposition, and the giants looming over a nation, inspiring speeches have instilled courage, confidence, strength, when nations have been at their lowest ebb. One such speech was given by Sir Winston Churchill to the House of Commons in 1940, where he said, the Battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Of course, Europe at this point were in defeat and Britain were looking defeated, but he inspired the nation to fight from every corner, urging them to brace themselves to do their duty and carry themselves in such a way that even a thousand years on, people would say this was their finest hour. Another powerful speech and uh, famous one was given by Martin Luther in 1963. We recently just there celebrated the Martin Luther Day and I have an ex excerpt here that I thought to read to you. An excerpt from his famous I Have a Dream speech. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all God's children. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out of the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even in the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. 
I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they are not only judged by, well, they're not to be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That's just a short excerpt from an incredible speech. And finally, closer to home, De Valera gave a, gave a radio address in 1943 that was called The Ireland We Dreamed Of. The ideal Ireland that we would have, the Ireland that we dreamed of, would be the home of a people who valued material wealth only on a basis for right living of a people who, satisfied with frugal comfort, devoted their leisure to the things of the spirit, a land whose countryside would be bright with cosy homesteads, whose fields and villages would be joyous with the sound of industry, with the romping of sturdy children, the contest of athletic youths, and the laughter of comely maidens, whose firesides would be forums for the wisdom of the serene old age. The home, in short, of a people living the life that God desires that men should live. With the tidings that make such an Ireland possible, St. Patrick came to our ancestors 1,500 years ago, promising happiness here no less than happiness hereafter. It was the pursuit of such an Ireland that later made our country worthy to be called the island of saints and scholars. It was the idea of such an Ireland, happy, vigorous, spiritual, that fired the imagination of our poets, that made successive generations of patriotic men give their lives to win religious and political liberty and that will urge men in our own and future generations to die if need be, so that these liberties may be preserved. What an incredible God-centered vision he had spoken only 80 years ago. Such speeches have turned the tide of war have improved the lives of the oppressed, have instilled vision, purpose, and courage when nations were on their knees. Because fear and terror is more contagious than courage. A frenzied crowd filled with fear will carry a lot of people into the pit of destruction and thereby lose their destiny. But one man or woman, filled with a sense of purpose and courage, with a mandate from God, as these men were, can sway a fearful crowd to enter their destiny and change the course of history. You see, we need people who will go against the prevailing tide, who will speak courage, hope, and love into their situations and into their communities. And so heroes like Joshua are made not when things are going well, but when everything is stacked against them. 
And for the last two weeks, we've looked at Joshua chapter one, where God gave the command to Joshua to be strong and courageous. Three times he commanded him and he, that he would lead the people to inherit the land promised to them. Time and time again, God had said to the people that they would receive a land flowing with milk and honey, that they would settle, establish their communities, that they would have a livelihood, that they would have a future, that they would have a hope. This was the vision God painted for his people. But for today... I wanted to go into the back end of this story. I wanted to go back a bit because in chapter one of Joshua, Joshua, we really see him at this momentous point. We see him at this high point. But we can forget that it was actually the process positioned him to inherit the promise. And I don't know what process you are in right now, but I do know that it is positioning you to receive all that God has for you if you remain strong and courageous in Christ. You see, we need to be strong and courageous in our day if we truly desire to see the advancement of God's kingdom and his will in our lives. So we're going to look today at the book of Numbers uh, where we will be at this major defining crossroads in the lives of God's people. And we're going to look at some speeches. One made by a frenzied, fearful crowd that wanted to revolt and go against God's plans. And another speech that was filled with faith, promise and hope. And at this point in the passage that we're going to look at, Moses has commissioned 12 spies to go out into the land, to spy the land for 40 days, and to bring back a report. And now they are returning after their 40 days with that report. So please turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 26. Please turn with me in your Bibles, in your apps. But do keep scripture open before you because we're going to refer to it uh, throughout this time together. And we're going to read all the way up to chapter 14, uh, verse 10. So we're going to read a, a substantial piece of scripture that includes incredible speeches that I believe God will minister to us with today. Verse 26 in chapter 13. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak here. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once 
take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, and they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were in their sight. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and people wept that night. And the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt so that they could say to one another, so they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to the congregation of the children saying, the land we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with the stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this day, Lord. Jesus, come right now. Be present in every heart. Be present to us, Father God, in our situations. And as we sung, open the eyes of our heart to see things as you see things. Show us, Father God, where we are living in fear so that we may break through into the promises that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Moses sent 12 spies a man from each tribe to spy out the land. And 10 of them bring back a negative report and two have a positive report. Now it's worth remembering that what the 10 spies had to say was true. The men were big giants and Jericho was a fortified city. And so often our fears are founded on facts. It's sometimes very easily uh, to look at the facts and we can deduce fear. 
You know, we can rationalize our fears, lean on our own understanding, and come to a nice, fearful conclusion. Fearful talk can sound reasoning, reasoned and measured, and I dare say sometimes wise. But a seed of fear can ripple across a family, across a community, and across a nation, resulting in this catastrophic thinking and a disproportionate response. And we saw there in verses 31 to 33, the response that these 10 spies gave. They said, they are stronger than us. Um, they said, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. A little melodramatic. <laughs> it's a land that devours its inhabitants. And they are men of great stature. And we were only like grasshoppers in our own sight. And we were in their sight. Incredible there. They, they give this double uh, inference, actually. It's like, well, our, in our own sight, we were grasshoppers. But not only in our sight, but actually they thought we were grasshoppers too. We were in their sight, this low self-evaluation, a real spirit of intimidation at play here. So they devalue themselves, they devalue what they think the other person is thinking. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You see, they did lose sight. They lost sight of their God they had lost sight of the promises of God, and now as a result, frame, fe fra fear frames their future. As a result, fear frames their future. And fear can sometimes frame our future. We fear for our children, we fear for our health, our family, our finances, our future, maybe the state of the nation. So much of our lives can be held hostage to these quiet, underlying, niggling fears. But sometimes fear will frame our future when we forget God's faithfulness to us in the past. You see, the Israelites had forgotten God's faithfulness and the many miracles he had performed in the wilderness. They had received daily manna from God. They had got water from a rock. Bitter waters were made sweet. God spoke from Mount Sinai. They had a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. God had done so much for this people. But this frenzied crowd filled with fear are now carrying the whole congregation away with them. And it's kind of like a wildfire because fear has that potential. It's just a contagious thing. So we see there in chapter 14, in verse 1, all the congregation, and then verse 2, all the children are now complaining against Moses and Aaron, saying, if only we had died. If only we had died in the wilderness by, by the sword. 
Would it not be better for us now to return to Egypt? Could we not now go back? Let us select a leader. Let us select a new leader and return to Egypt. So the full community is really an all-out rebellion against God. They're addressing Moses, but they're also whispering among themselves because they're talking about a new leader, which basically means both murder and mutiny. So this is a rebellion against God and the appointed leader who had been so faithful to them. This is where they were on the cusp of this great moment. This could have been their finest hour moment to receive all that God had promised for them, to see their families finally settled, to see them in communities and flourishing. And that wonderful vision we heard of by the firesteads and homely children, God had given them this wonderful vision of a better future, but now they're filled with fear and rebellion. But should we be surprised? by this, by their hearts fainting at the final hurdle. You know, these were the people who had wandered in the wilderness because of their woundedness and lost their way physically and spiritually. The journey that was to take 40 days took 40 years, unable to enter by faith what was already theirs. Psalm 107 says they wandered in the wilderness in this desolate way. And now they're unable to hold on and stay strong and courageous and believe God in this final hour. But they are so wandered and they are wounded and they're unable to see what God has for them. You know, so often we are closer than we think to our next breakthrough if we do not give up, but we hold on with the hope, the strength, and the courage that the Lord wants to impart to us. But sometimes our woundedness will cause us to wander. You see, God didn't want fear to frame their future. He wanted their faith in him to determine their future. And that's what Caleb and Joshua did. So they give this stirring speech in chapter 14, verse 7. And what they say is, the land we pass through is exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel. Do not fear the people, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see, God wanted his vision that he had given them to frame their future and their perspective. He was looking for that faith, faith to believe that he he would do what he had promised But they chose to forget his faithfulness and acted out of fear and rebellion. Sometimes we do forget, don't we? 
We forget all that God has done. We forget how far he has brought us and all the little ways and large ways he has cared for us and provided for us. Now, don't get me wrong. Fears are real. And sometimes the giants in our lives loom large. Situations can feel quite daunting and intimidating. Fear can paralyze us. But Hebrews 10, 39 reminds us that we are not to be those that shrink back with fear and are destroyed, but those that press on with faith and are being saved. If the worship team would like to come back up, please. So how do we move from this place of fear to a place of faith? Well, I believe we have to pray our fears through with the Lord. We bring our fears into the presence of God in prayer, and we keep reading Scripture until God speaks a word into our situation. You might remember the verse we read last week in Joshua. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on a day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. We need to be in the word of God, eating it, chewing it, meditating on it in order to receive the word for our situation. You see, there's two words for the word in Greek. There's logos and there's rhema. Now, logos is all of God's objective word to us and all of his word is relevant and all of his word is true and we need all of his good word. However, there are seasons when he'll speak a specific word, a rhema word for your situation. And when we bring our fears into his presence, he wants to give us a word that can settle and cancel every fear. And when we pray through our fears, what happens is that instead of the fear, our faith rises instead. And all of a sudden then, God's word is now supreme over that situation. And it's commanding and it's speaking to the giants we face. Because that is the reality and the power of God's word in our lives when we apply it, when we receive it, and when we ask God for it. Because the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrates dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it is available to us to overcome every giant we may face. You see, the word of God diminishes strongholds, destroys the spirit of fear, intimidation that the enemy sets up against your soul, and it tears down the powers and principalities that may be operating, sometimes behind people, sometimes behind situations, and they are exposed in the light of God's word. And it's in that place where then faith 
we get a hold of faith through God's word. So then we start to see that situation differently and we start to look at that situation differently so that we start to look different, act different, believe different, move different and see that this is something that God actually is in charge of as we bring the situation under and under subjection to the word of God. You see, the 10 enemies, the 10 spies saw the enemy as the giant. They saw the giants. But Caleb and Joshua saw the enemy as bread, as bread. And I love in Psalm 23 where it says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies because it's in the place of great fear and intimidation and desperation, there will always be things that God can only feed to you in those situations, and he will meet you in a special way as he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He will feed you with the very thing you think is set up to destroy you. So don't fear what is in your life right now because God will use it to feed you, to sustain you. And as we close today, I believe the words that Joshua and Caleb spoke to the congregation are the words that God wants to speak to us this day. And I, we're going to go back into this song that his love never fails because I think some of us need to really know that his love, his perfect love casts out every fear. And we're going to close singing that as a declaration over our situations. But I want us to look at these verses one more time because this was a statement of faith that Joshua and Caleb were saying and declaring and speaking to the congregation. And what God would say to us today is, what is ahead of you is exceedingly good. And what is ahead of you is so much better than what is behind you. Because he delights in you. It's no longer if, it's that the Lord delights in you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And in Christ, there is so much milk and honey. In Christ, we are nourished. In Christ, we are sweetened. In Christ, we are sustained. But do not rebel against the Lord. Do not resist the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do not resist the move of the Spirit in your life. Do not resist Him because your enemies are in fact bread. The enemy is your bread and in God's presence, you will be nourished. You will be nourished as you seek out his word, as you find a word for that situation, you will bring that situation into subjection and under God's lordship. So church, the Lord is with, the Lord is with us this year and he's encouraging us to be strong, to be courageous because he is exceedingly good and there is so much for us to conquer in the year to come. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. 
any more information, please visit stmarkcity.ie. Have a very blessed week.